All right, let's turn in our scriptures to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at a phrase that concludes Luke's recording of the Lord's Prayer. In Luke chapter 11, and starting in verse 2, Luke records for us, Jesus is teaching his disciples on the topic of prayer. And he says in verse 2 of Luke 11, When you pray, say this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in earth, so in heaven, uh, as in heaven, so in earth. Verse 3 says, Give us day by day our daily bread. Verse 4 is... Last portion of verse 4 is our focus this morning. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When I was a boy, we lived in the church parsonage on a dead-end street. I spent most of my childhood in that home um, playing outside enjoying the woods down at the end of the road, and we were able to ride our bicycles uh, on the road, being a dead-end street. Only the neighbors would, would come down there, and so it was safe. And we play in the yard as well. And in the front of our house, we had um, a, a series of bushes that were connected that would be a hedge, a hedge bushes. You remember those? Uh, a lot of homes today are, are really setting up small uh, bushes and, and focusing on the house. Um, you know, there was a time when uh, they built the house and hit it with giant bushes and, and hedged uh, bushes. Where you could, well, we, it was enough space between the bush and the house that you could get behind there and you could make a fort. You could hide out and you could play. You could get some good hiding places. And, um, and so we, I would often go back behind there and play. Down by the water spigot outside the house was a, was a drainage ditch. And I don't know if if it went down to some of the pipes that were dug under, underneath the house, um, but it was, it was probably about a 12, 12 inches, maybe 10 inches uh, in diameter, and it was a hole, and it was made of um, uh, some, some piping, and uh, so we, we knew that it was there, and you had to be careful when you went behind the hedge uh, bushes to be careful that you don't step in it. One time we were playing hide-and-go-seek or playing with, with my brothers, and I ran back there, and uh, not thinking, I stepped back, and when I stepped back, my leg and my foot went down into that hole, and the front of that pipe scraped the front edge of my shin all the way up to my knee. I pulled it back out of there in, in pain and bleeding to death, and uh, I was crying out and, and uh, in, in pain, and I walked out behind those hedge bushes, a changed man still have a scar on the front of my shin from stepping in there. Anytime I went behind those bushes after that, I was much more aware. Now, I knew that that hole was there. I knew it was there. I'd seen it many times. I knew it was, I knew the danger going back there, but, but my mind was distracted, and I wasn't thinking. I stepped in the hole. How many a good man and woman who have fallen into holes such as that. Well, not just like that, but in their spiritual life, where they've not been vigilant and watching, stepped in a, in a place where they come out with scars, the damage. I know many a casualty of believers and Christians who have stepped into some pitfalls. Do you know someone like that? Maybe you've been someone like that. You have the scars to tell about it. Probably the most difficult petition in this prayer that Jesus prays to understand is this last phrase. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. As we've walked through this prayer, we've taken a little more time in this uh, sub-series of the Lord's Prayer. We've realized that we are dependent children, dependent upon our Heavenly Father in a relationship. You need to know that you have a relationship with God as your Father, that you can cry out, Abba. But to do that, you must accept His Son. 
Because the only way you can get into a relationship with the Father, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. He is the door. We also realize that in this prayer for believers, we are holy worshipers. As we focus on the Father who is in heaven, we cry out that His name would be holy. That we would make His name holy in our lives as a testimony. That that would be a constant focus in our life to worship His holy name. Then we realize that we were kingdom seekers where we call out Thy kingdom come. Not building our own kingdom, but His kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you, Jesus says. In this prayer, our mind ought to be focused on the, the new heaven and the new earth. That kingdom that God is preparing. And that we are to keep our affections on things above, not on things of this earth. This is a focus in our prayer life. We also realize that we are lost without His will. It's not about our will and our agenda and our plans, but about His will, His agenda, His plans about what, accompli what is accomplished in His purpose in heaven, that that would also make itself manifest on this earth. And God is using us to do that. We are to pray for His will. We also realize that we are needy peasants. We need the Lord's bread day by day. And that's not talking necessarily about the Word of God, even though that is true. We do need the Word of God. This is a prayer request asking for the most basic need of life. Breakfast, lunch, and supper. And every day we are to depend upon the supply of God. Then we learned last week that we are debtors. Forgiving. We are the one who have been forgiven of all of our sin. And then we are to be reminded that we are in need of forgiveness, even as believers. This is a prayer to disciples, not to the unsaved. To remind them that every day we must confess our sins, knowing that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. We're not perfect. And the moment we get our mind, in our mind that we have arrived is the moment that this next and last petition in the prayer becomes a reminder to us. Yes, we are in need of forgiveness as believers, and we are in need of offering forgiveness. Or that bitterness and anger and hatred can well in our hearts, divide us. And we need that forgiveness and that forgiving spirit. But we also must realize that we are soldiers in constant battle. We sung about that fact today. We are on the battlefield for our Lord, one song says. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Be strong in the Lord. Scripture talks about Ephesians chapter 6. Paul admonishes the believers to put on the whole armor of God because we're not fighting a battle of flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is therefore the reason we need to put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to stand in the evil day, Paul says, having done all to stand. We talked last week about Romans chapter 7, realizing that we are battling against the flesh and we will sin and we will fall. And Paul cries out at the end of Romans chapter 7 after this conversation, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing. And he cries out the end of that chapter and says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Paul realized the very real struggle against the spirit and the flesh. And then in Romans chapter 8, the, the, the call of the victory that we have, that we are more than conquerors through Him that have loved us. And it is by the love of Christ and through the power of Christ and His resurrection that He has given us the victory that we need. One congregant approached a prominent pastor after his sermon on the battle of sin the man said to the pastor after the service in the lobby, I want to get out of Romans 7 and the struggle with sin and get into Romans 8 with the victory through Jesus. The pastor kindly replied, Brother, you will never be out of the Romans 7 as long as you're a member of my church. We must all fight until the commander calls us home. 
You see, this pastor was not denying the victory that's offered in Romans 8. That is true, but he was reminding the man as long as he is on this earth, in this body, there is a warfare that must, we must continue to rage. We can't give up. Don't stop fighting. In the moment that you think that you are able to stand, the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. And oftentimes we think that we're, we're okay because we attend a service or because we carry a Bible or we know amazing grace and oh how I love Jesus and that all of a sudden we get out in the real world where, where we're out of the, the comforts of the fellowship and we get into the real world and our mind gets distracted and we think that we can do it ourselves and then we step into that hole and we realize the scar and we say how in the world did I get to this place? Jesus is reminding His disciples that in their prayer life, not only in the, are they in constant need of confession, realize our, our proneness, but also realize our dependence upon the Heavenly Father who can protect us and enable us in this fight and to keep fighting until He calls us home. There's been much written about this petition. One scholar has written an entire project on this phrase alone entitled this, The Unresolved Problem in the Temptation Clause in the Lord's Prayer. But I ask the question this morning from the text here we see, where does temptation come from? The main issue over this phrase presents two problems. Number one, is the word used by Jesus here temptation? Is it used as trials or testings? Or is it something that is used for enticement of sin? In the New Testament, this word can be used for that which is a temptation or a testing or a trial, some kind of, uh, of, of hardship that we're going through. This word can also mean an allurement to sin and that would lead to destruction. I believe in this passage, this word is used in temptation to sin, the enticement to be destroyed, the allurement to be taken captive. And Jesus tells Peter this as well when he's talking to Peter about one day being, being denying the Lord. Be careful because Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Reminding Peter of the allurement of temptation and sin. It's like those who enjoy fishing you put that bait on the end of the hook. You want to make sure that, that that lure is going to attract the fish that you're intending to catch. Then you throw it in and you, and you let it sit or you reel it in. And, and that fish that sees it and, and is attracted to it and what it looks like, maybe what it smells like, how it moves. And then it's lured away until eventually it opens its mouth and it is taken, it is, is, is caught, hooked. You reel it in. The second problem in this um, phrase is that it is such a strange request at the end of a very important prayer for believers. Why is it that believers should pray to God to, be, to lead Him away from temptation to sin and be destroyed? Does that mean that God otherwise would lead us into temptation? Does God put us in a place where we could fall? Why are we supposed to ask God, lead us not into temptation? James chapter 1 and verse 13 says this, and we'll come back to this passage at another time in the sermon as well. But it says, God does not tempt any man to evil. Why would we pray for something that God has promised that He would never do? Lead us into temptation. To lead us into evil would be inconsistent with who God is and what the Bible says. Well, if you read further along in James chapter 1 and verse 13, you'll realize when we are drawn away by temptation, we are drawn away of our own lust. And when temptation comes to be enticed to sin, that comes from the evil one and our own lust to lure us away. We need to be clear about this in this verse, God is not the source of temptation. Evil is. That's why he says in the verse, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
This evil is personified in this word as a person. It's a reference to a person. Some translations may have the phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is talking about Satan, the devil. He is a real person. He thinks, he plans, he makes decisions, he moves, he schemes, he's a, he has personhood. Similar to the way we do. He has choice and he has set himself up against God and the scripture records when he fell, when he lifted up his heart in pride saying, I will be like the Most High. Listen to what Jesus says when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 17 and verse 15. Jesus says this, I pray that thou shouldest take, not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Talking about the evil one. Jesus is praying for protection for his children and his sheep from the devil. To guard them and protect them. So in this verse and in this prayer, Jesus is praying that we would be delivered from that evil one. We need to realize that Satan is not some cosmic force out there in the universe, but that he is a real person. Many laugh at the idea that the devil is real. One author wrote in World War II, during the World War II, there is a dark and mysterious spellbinding figure at work. Behind the temptation stands a tempter. Behind the lie stands a liar. Behind all death stands a murderer. Behind all murderer, he's been the one from the beginning. And to mock him is a denial of him. This is true today. Behind this evil world is the mastermind, the devil himself. It actually amazes me that there are so many, as I read some statistics about the evangelical believers today, who actually deny the existence of the person of the devil. Just look around today and see the occult worshippers, the Wiccan seekers. Someone a few weeks ago sent me an article of a certain school district in Tennessee, not far from here, that are having after-school clubs for children to come and worship the devil, elementary children. To come and worship the devil after school. They knew, know full well that the devil is real. And on the other side, we have church people, church-going people who deny that he is, exists or that he is very active. Just open your eyes and look to this world and see the activity of the wicked one himself. Satan, the word Satan in the Bible is the Hebrew word, or is the uh, Greek word meaning adversary or enemy satan as our enemy for sure he is peter says like a lion who walks around seeking whom he may devour a lion that roars um i'm sure we've had some people who have traveled around the world and maybe you've been in a safari i know the brosnans lived in south africa and have probably been on some of those safaris and seen some of those giant creatures. Standing on all fours, the lion can reach a height of four feet. While on their hind legs, they can reach over eight feet tall. A male lion can reach 13 feet long from head to tail. Peter no doubt had seen one of these massive creatures. We were watching a show on the National Geographic not too long ago learning about some of the animals and the kids were there and then all of a sudden the lion comes out pouncing after this gazelle. And then, and then as the chase got more intense, I could see the younger ones in, in my family, Adeline, as her eyes got bigger and bigger and the, and the mouth opened up on that lion and got a hold of that gazelle and took it to the ground and Jed's tears started coming down his eyes. I said, well, where's the remote? We need to turn this. It's too real. Shield your eyes. And when Peter talks about the devil, he knows full well what kind of creature he is like. A lion in the scripture will compare him to a serpent. It also compares him to a dragon. This hideous creature. Another word in the New Testament for Satan is the word devil. It's the Greek word diabolos, meaning slanderer. Slander is something that an enemy does to bring shame and disgrace on a person. It's election year. And politicians like to slander. One 
person after church was telling me about a commercial that they watched between Dish Network and cable commercials. He said something about they must have learned from the tactics of the politician because the one, um, the one network was slandering the other network right there on the commercials. You see, that's what a, a slanderer does. He accuses, he points his finger in his face, in the face, and tells lies from the beginning. And I believe maybe a portion of this prayer is the reality that Jesus knows that as, his ch- as the children of God, we have an enemy. We have a slanderer who would love nothing more than to allure us and trap us and take us captive by his will. Jesus experienced this type of oppression and temptation from the devil himself multiple times. And the scriptures in, in uh, the Gospels record for us when Jesus was baptized, he was into the wilderness. There he was tempted of the devil. And there the Lord Jesus Christ felt the full oppression and weight of the devil himself. And that wasn't the only time. Later, Peter would be used as an instrument and Jesus would turn to Peter and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. And then later during the Passion Week, the Scripture record, Luke records, that the devil entered into Judas to deceive and betray the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ felt the full weight of the, the, the temptation and the slander and the attacks of the devil. Jesus says here in this prayer that we would be delivered. The word here, rescued from the devil's schemes and his tricks and his devices to destroy our life. He wants nothing more than to to destroy your testimony. And if you're a believer here today, he can't take you to hell with him. But he sure can make a mess of your life. How many people have been destroyed by the devil? How many believers have their lives crushed by Satan and his evil minions and the temptations that the devil places before us? Many of us know family members who have been wrecked by his lies. Some of us can even remember our own lives when the devil is attacked and we've given in. There may be some here today that you're even right now twisted in your thinking and deceived and you're held captive by the sin and the devil is, is enjoying. He doesn't mind you coming to church as long as you walk out the same way you came in. Trapped. Deceived. Believing that what you have done by just merely walking in here has made you any better. We are fighting a very real battle. And the very first step in this prayer is to recognize the danger. Know that it's out there. Don't ignore it. Recognize it in yourself. That we need to be delivered from sin, from evil. And you say, well, pastor, I've already trusted Christ as my Savior. I have that full payment and that penalty of sin has already, has, has already been paid for. And I have the victory of sin. Well, that may be true as far as the presence of heaven that you are justified and your eternity is settled and no longer does the wrath of God lay upon your shoulders. But the presence of sin still in our life because of our evil nature and our thoughts and the world around us is still bombarding us. God is still doing a work in your life and you're a soldier on the battlefield. How are you doing this week? And the last thing in this prayer that Jesus wants the disciples to realize is that they are soldiers in constant battle. And every day you wake up, you need to put on your armor You need to find the Holy Spirit and the power that He enables with you in your life and and pray that He would have full control of your life. God wants victory in your life. God wants you as a believer to know what it's like to live under His control. Not the devil's, not your flesh's, not the world's. But know what it's like to live under a master who is our heavenly father, who controls all things, who loves and forgives when we seek confession and will forgive us and pardon us even as believers, but will give us the power and strength to be able to overcome any obstacle that we face, even ourselves. God wants us to know the freedom of what it is to live with him. We have an enemy. The enemy is very powerful in our life. And Jesus is saying here in this prayer, not only do you need his daily daily provision of bread, 
And not only do you need His daily forgiveness for the sin you commit, but you need to pray that God would protect you and deliver you from the temptation of the evil one. You need God in this fight. It is impossible to do it by yourself. Jesus says in Matthew 26, verse 41, He says to the disciples, Watch ye and pray that you enter not into temptation, because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And what Jesus was telling His sleepy disciples Don't be fooled by the devil. Don't be fooled by your flesh. Get up and pray. Don't go through your day without depending on the Lord to protect you. And instead, Peter gave in to his flesh and his sleepy eyes, was unprepared, not watching, not depending on the Lord and his strength and victory, so that when the time came and he was tempted He denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. Our Heavenly Father wants us to find the victory in what it's like to live walking in the Spirit. What parent would not want his children to find that victory? What parent would want his children to go into the way of drugs and alcohol and hard living What father stands at the door of his house watching his prodigal son go out into the world and not weep? God in no way wants us to fall down the path of the evil one. And yet so many of us forget God and forget our relationship with God and the coolness of our walk with God on a daily basis and the shelter of His safety of His arms and the comfort of His family. And we enter into the darkness of sin and in the pigsty of the world. And it breaks his heart when we walk that hard path. It breaks his heart when we are led astray. It breaks God's heart when we fall into sexual sin. It breaks God's heart when we fall into false doctrine. It breaks God's heart when we fall apathetic for the things of the Lord. It breaks God's heart when we fall into laziness and the things of this world that distract our mind. This is the reason that Jesus prays this prayer petition. It's because he knows how easy It is for us to fall prey to the devil's traps. The best way to avoid sin is to avoid the temptation of it. So Jesus prays, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Take your Bibles and turn over to the book of James here just a second. Let's look at a couple passages here that will help us this morning. James chapter 4. In verse 7, the previous verse in verse 6 talks about the fact that He does give more grace, which is what we need. We need a God who will continue to give us grace. But God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. It's when pride lifts up in our heart that we think that we're okay without Him. This prayer reminds us that we are in need of Him and His protection. And it is God's grace that then enables us through our humility in verse 7. Then we are to resist your, or submit yourselves therefore to God. Here is the surrender. Give Him every area of your life. You see, the issue of temptation of the devil and sin is that there are often corners in our life that we have closed off that are reserved. No trespassing. We have signs up for, for Jesus who is our master that says this closet is ours, this portion of the attic is ours, this portion of the basement, this portion of my room. Lord, you can have all these other areas, but these portions over here, those are my weak points, my blind spots, and Lord, I don't want you to have those. It's the devil that knows that those areas exist in your heart and in your life. And when you have refused to to submit those areas to the Lord, every area. That's when the devil says, okay, that's where he's weakest. And your flesh knows that it is there and the allurement of the sign or the allurement of that sin that comes into your life because that area has not been surrendered to the Lord. And, And this passage James is saying, 
You, you need to submit, submit, surrender, yield over whatever area that you're struggling with. It could be your, your temper. It could be your personal lust. It could be an entertainment. It could be a place. It could be some kind of habit that you have or some area or some, you, you, you're the, um, some, some area in your life that has got a stronghold. And as long as you hold that and say, I'm not going to give it up. This is going to be mine. I'll do it myself. Lord, this is my area. Then the devil is going to continue to take that and your flesh will continue to take that as an area in your life of bondage. But when you submit yourself to God and you resist the devil, the promise in this verse is that he will flee from you. There's a promise given in this verse. You can find victory. But it's your choice. God has given you all that you need. He's rendered the power of sin inoperative in your life. He's defeated the devil in your life. Yes, he's still there, but you have the power that you need to defeat him, even the choices and the sins that you have. And verse 8 says, if you look down, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. This is a relationship. Cleanse. This is confession. Your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, it's the double-minded man that is unstable in all his ways. It amazes me. One person stated this week in my reading, we can send a man to the moon but we cannot get rid of the chaos on this earth. We can search and control computer systems so complex, hack into com complex systems around the world, but we cannot conquer the computer of our mind. We can send and receive communications to the farthest satellites in our galaxy, and yet we cannot communicate with our beloved across the dinner table. Why is that? Why is it so hard to find peace and victory of our mind, unity and harmony in our homes, freedom from pornography and abuse, the unkind words and freedom from the sharp tongue? The reason is because our natural man, our body of sin, our sinful mind loves to get what it wants and we refuse to say no to temptation. We refuse to allow the power of God in our life. So in the last portion here, just some application at the end of the service today. How do we avoid temptation and resist the devil? Know your weakness. Don't be fooled. A diabetic person better know that he has diabetes before he eats that big piece of chocolate cake. No, it's there. If he doesn't, then he's going to be in the ER not long afterwards when it hits him. Know your weakness. Satan will tempt you in an area that you are weak. Know it and let God control it. Just a simple illustration. If you're someone here today and you don't like Krispy Kreme donuts, donuts don't bother you. You stay away from sweets. You're, you're all right with, with maybe the dessert. It just doesn't tempt you. You don't like the taste of it. Or If you walk into a donut shop, it's not going to be an allurement to you because it's not a weakness to you. However, if I go into Krispy Kreme, especially when the sign is hot and ready, and, and the cream that they put on the inside of the donut, you know, that, that, that white, cream you put it in your you can put the whole thing in your mouth it's not but about that big really in real life but then they blow it up with air you know and sugar and it's you know and you just and and then your blood pressure and your blood sugar and all goes that and you wonder why you had a headache all right that 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 allurement it, it's only a temptation to you if it is an allurement to you if it is a if it is a desire from you and that's what James is saying in James chapter 1, turn back a few chapters, a few chapters to James chapter 1, in verse 14. 
But every man is tempted. This is tempted to sin. When he is drawn away of his own lust and he's enticed. He's hooked. There is something desirable about it. You see, that's what the devil does. That's what sin is. You want it. You desire it. When Eve looked at the fruit, she saw that it was good and desirable. And she wanted it. There was, there was, this, there was this temptation. There was this desire that was there. And verse 15 says, And when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin it finished, it brings forth death. This is the reminder that we are Lord and we are tempted by those things that we desire. Know your weakness. And I say, number two, set boundaries around you to protect you. Know it and call it out. Then set a boundary. A boundary around that. Part of this prayer is recognizing that we are in need of protecting and oftentimes, God, through the spiritual battle that we are facing with sin, is, is giving us principles and applications and, uh, that, that we can put around us to protect us. Fences that help us. Don't play with sin. You see, what happens is we begin to toy with it in our mind. And then while we're thinking about it and pondering it and toy with it in our mind, then we, then we get to play with it in, in our lives as well and, and think that it's not going to harm us. That's exactly what happened in the life of Samson. He got closer and closer to the edge of the hole, thinking that he was strong enough and that it wouldn't bother him and it would destroy him. So don't drive by that store if it's a temptation to you. Set a boundary, and the boundary would be, I'm going to go home from work a different way. Don't get on the internet in your bedroom alone. If it's a temptation, set a boundary. Put it in a public place. Keep accountable. Set up an, an accountability partner. Find some blocks. Find some fences. Find some boundaries that will help protect you because you are your worst enemy. When it comes to the allurement of sin. Don't put yourself in foolish situations. Then plead with God to get you out of it. It's foolish. The scripture says. Blessed is the man who walketh not. In the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Don't go that direction. Solomon said in, in Proverbs chapter 7 when he looked out of the casement of his window and he saw a young man who was void of understanding. He was empty. He was simple. His mind was open. He walked out of the door that day saying, fill it. I don't care what it is. He went out into the wrong place, the wrong time, knowing that he would be tempted going there. He walked mile the aisle in the store Smells good, it looks good, you're going to take it. You need to set boundaries around you to protect you. This helps you to avoid the areas of temptation. And I say number three, not only mark your weaknesses, know what it is, set boundaries around you to protect, set boundaries within your family. Parents, can I tell you with your young people and your children, with the technology that we have in this world today, the allurement of sin, the availability of sin, even more 20 years later than when I was in high school and many of you that you faced in the temptation. So always there, but it is more easily accessible today. Set boundaries and guidelines so that your children and your young people don't fall into those pits. Protect you, and it's your responsibility. But can I say three, feed your soul with truth. This is the main issue. Many take away a bad habit only to find a void that is never filled. And eventually it's filled with another bad habit. Or they return to it sooner or later. What happened is, when you don't fill your life with something that is true, you don't replace it with something that is true and valuable. Trash in, trash out. Truth in, 
truth out, that which is healthy being put into the mind and into the heart is going to then, in the face of temptation, is going to um, release that which is true. The best way to avoid temptation is to fill your life with the things of the Lord. Build the strength of the Spirit in your life and allow the Spirit to control your life by filling it with what is good. This is the need of the local church. This is the need of services. It, it, it amazes me that in such a wicked and evil society and world that we live with so much temptation out there that we think that one time a week in church is enough for us. I'm not saying that there's some magic potion that you come in, but we need more of the truth of God's Word to saturate our mind more on the truth of God's Word. The focus and the study and the more of the accountability with one another in the very wicked and evil world. This would go on your daily basis, your prayer, your Bible reading. So feed your soul with truth. And then can I say along the same line, set your mind on truth. The scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The lie of the devil to you is that this is just your personality. You'll never be able to conquer this sin. It, will always, it was your father's problem. It was your parents' problem. It was your, it, you, you were abused and this is the issue and this victim mentality that comes in and says, you know what, I just can't. The moment you begin to think that way, then you're denying the principles of the Scripture and the plain truth of God's Word because God says you can. Not by yourself, but in His power. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Those who often fall into the deepest of sins have done so because their minds were already there before their hands and their feet ever went. Whatsoever things are true, Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think Put your mind upon those things. Don't listen to his lies. And if Satan can get to you in your wrong thinking, then he's already begun to attack you with your wrong actions and your body will eventually follow your mind. God has given us the principles that we need. Let's turn over last place in the scripture to 1 Corinthians 10, 13 as we close today with this passage. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is a promise that the Apostle Paul gives to the church at Corinth who had a lot of problems with temptation and sin and the flesh, sexual sin. And this is to, the, to those people who say, you know what, I just can't get out of it. This is just too much of and I've tried it before. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Therefore, hath no temptation, temptation taking you as such as is common demand. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be attempted above that you are able. Notice that. You say, well, I just can't bear it. I'm just not able to. But the scripture says here, there's no temptation that is going to come into your life that, that you're not able with his power and his ability to say no, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Ye may be able to bear it. In other words, there's always a trap door. In the face of the devil like Joseph when he's been tempted of something that was very much of an allurement to him in his natural self, and yet, when he stood up and kept his mind on the truth that God is watching every place, how can I do this great wickedness to God? There was a trap door. There was an escape off to the side if he would just make the decision to take it. Resist the devil. Surrender. Resist. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. and He will draw nigh to you. Take it and run. read an article this week. In June 2023, this summer, it was entitled this, No Selfie Control. Woman caught casually taking risky photo 
with bison in Yellowstone Park. Another woman was gored and thrown 10 feet into the air after she got too close to the 2,000-pound, six-foot-tall animal. In the article, the rangers warned people of this, written, Visitors, bison are large, powerful, unpredictable, and wild. They can turn quickly and can easily outrun any human. Please stay 75 feet away from them. Plus, stay 300 feet away from the bears and wolves. You see, sin is dangerous. Beware. Be careful this week to stay 300 feet away from yourself. How do you do that? You see, that's impossible. But you can stay so close to God that He can shut the mouths of any lion or any bear. Who are you standing next to? Who are you close to? Because your worst enemy is your own mind, your own heart, your own flesh. It is tempted, lured, and drawn away. And the answer is to submit to a higher master. Draw close to him. And the devil doesn't want anything to do with him. So, keep your mind in the right place. Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Father, I pray as we close this morning. Lord, our minds are such a powerful battlefield on a daily basis as believers. And so many of us, when we get distracted, self-confident, prideful, unsurrendered, that we're just one step away from a major disaster, chaos. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our daily prayer life, not only just to plead with you for our daily need, our daily supply, and to plead with you for confession, to keep sin on a short leash in our life, confession quick, sensitive, but we would also be fully aware of our own weaknesses and the battle that we are facing against the devil and that we are soldiers in a constant battlefield against sin. And we need you. You've given us all that we need, all of the armor, all of the power, all of the spirit that any believer needs to face any sin, any temptation. Lord, we pray that you would Help us to make the choice and the decisions that are positive in our life. That we would be aware of where we struggle. That we would set boundaries around us that would protect us. That we would not be foolish in putting ourselves in situations where we are needlessly tempted. And then, Lord, would we fill our mind with the truth of God's Word. We would constantly be dependent upon the Word and the accountability of believers and use the tools that you've given us in this life to, to help us in this battlefield. And some struggle more at other times. And each one of us are unique in the struggles that we have and the temptations that, that, that uh, plague us. And Lord, would we be creative Lord, would we keep our minds on what is true and not believe the lies and the deception and that it's just no use and we give up and we become a casualty. Help us, Lord, to walk every day in the Spirit, realizing that there is a war and a battle that's raging and that we would not be double-minded but keep our hearts and lives in constant check with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand to your feet? With the invitation before we close in a final prayer and dismiss, maybe the Holy Spirit has spoke to you this week with some area of sin in your life that has a foothold. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about us casting down those strongholds, those imaginations and thoughts, taking them captive, surrendering to the Lord. And right now, where you are before we close the service, you need to confess, 
recognize your weakness. Maybe there's some area of boundaries that you need to set. You've, you've allowed too much in. You've been deceived. Maybe there's some men out there today that you need to make some extra steps with your battle against pornography. Whatever the struggle that may be in your life, there is forgiveness. We talked about that last week. He's willing and ready. But in this battle of sin, you, you can't let up. You can't give in. I'm going to ask that she play through one more time before we close. If you're a visitor here and the Lord has spoken to your heart and you'd like to talk with someone, we'd be available in the lobby after the service. One of the staff, we'd love to talk to you and share with you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that sin and that penalty of sin is over your life, you're watching online, and uh, you've been convicted of that. We'd love to share it with you from the, from the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that's offered in Him. You can be saved today. It's not an easy road, but it is victory. The song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His face. Thank you. You can look this way. Thank you for your attention in God's Word today. Uh, if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here and coming to join us in fellowship today, being a part of our service. If you are interested in church membership, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, come and talk to me after the service. We can set a time up where we can give you a, a, some bylaws and some statements of our of faith and what we believe and answer any questions that you have and uh, talk about membership. Thank you for being here. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, protect us from the evil one this week. Protect us from our own flesh. Will we not play with sin and get too close? Uh, help us to keep a short leash on, on the sin that we do commit, and uh, will we confess and be sensitive to that. Fill our lives with the things that are true and honest and lovely. Protect us from even uh, the weather. It seems to be this weekend, that uh, next couple days. Uh, be with our church body and our, our family that we would uh, be careful on the roads and travel. Bless us and uh, be with us this week. In Jesus' name we pray.